Luke chapter 2, that's where we're going to be today. Uh, as we start a new discussion series uh, this morning, Luke is um, the third, what we call the Gospels. They're books in the Bible, books of the New Testament. Um, there's four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all authored by the men who the book carries their name, and they all tell about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus from a different perspective, okay? So Luke was a doctor by profession, and he investigated. Um, he, he was not walking with Jesus during Jesus' physical life, 32 years of life, but he came and he investigated and got everything that he could from those who knew Jesus personally, and then he wrote a book with everything that he had found. Um, so Luke's account is a second-hand account from doing those interviews and that investigation. Uh, Matthew, uh, Mark, and John would have written about what they saw and heard directly from Jesus. The interesting thing is Luke's account lines up flawlessly with those so we know that it's trustworthy and it's good. Okay, So Luke... Uh, telling us about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus in what we call the gospel. Gospel means good news. So when uh, we talk about the gospel of Jesus, it is the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Question, I actually left it up here for you before we began. How long can expectation last before it fades? How long can expectation last before it fades? That's a deep question, and I know there's immediately some things that are going to come to mind. You're, you're going to say, well, I need to know more, because there's some factors that play into that. So what are the factors that play into how long expectation can last before it fades? How the payoff is. Payoff. Okay. Uh, like... <clears throat> Like if it's uh, you get bubble gum for doing this, then my expectation is probably going to last about 20 seconds. But if I get a million dollars, then I can sustain my expectations for a longer length of time. What else? What are the other factors or thoughts that come to mind with this question? Okay. So the payoff or um, payment. What I stand to lose, right? So those are opposing things. Not opposing, but they're two sides of the coin, right? <clears throat> okay, the odds. So what are the odds of something actually coming to fruition? Okay. Okay. Right, that's a good factor. Definitely plays into it. Anybody else? Significance or importance, right? Significance of the event can sustain my anticipation, my expectation for longer because it's like life-changing and therefore it sustains that expectation longer. I'm going to say, I don't know how to spell this, immediacy. I think you know what I mean by that. It's like how soon is it going to happen? Is it near or far, the immediacy, the, the, the time frame? Um, if I believe that it is near to me and, and more immediate, then, or even if I just understand the immediacy, right? It's like if I know that it's 30 years down the road, then I can continue that expectation. But if I thought that it was 30 days and it became 30 years... It's going to fade, right? It's going to fade. Anything else? Anything else? I got a couple more if you don't. But I like yours better than mine. Who all's involved in the expectation? Who all? Yeah. So like if it's, if it's a group expectation versus a, like just something that you're expecting on your own, like if you do 
Oh, it's easier when there's others connected. Yeah, okay. Uh, can I write group? Is that group or self? I think there's value to that. If, 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 if we're doing things together, then we can sustain one another longer. I don't know what you said, but I probably didn't like it. So. <laughs> I don't know if Sam's spiritual gift is valuable, but it's... It's uh, irritable, nonetheless. Yeah, it sits here. So, uh, no, I love Sam. Sam's a good friend of mine. Don't don't take that wrong. Um, some people don't know my humor around here. So, uh, but I think that's right. I think if we're latched together with expectation, then we can sustain one another longer. If you're isolated, then it'll probably fade quicker. I think that's right. Um, let me give you a couple more just to consider. How often do I get reminders? Reminders along the way, if there's like a blip, hey, it's still coming, then it's like, oh, I'm expecting again, right? It's like starting to lull, reminder, oh, it's still on the radar. Um, Maybe if I get glimpses, I know you can't read that, but if I get a glimpse of it beginning to take place along the way, then it continues to stir my expectation, Um, uh, and I would say how many this is my last one how many distractions are there along the way because things can draw your mind like I'm expectant of this and then how many distractions just want to draw my attention elsewhere I think all those things are uh, play into how long expectation can last But this is the idea for Advent. Advent. It's on our screen. Maybe you've heard the word Advent. What? What? Anybody know what? uh, Heard of it or know what Advent is? Anybody got an idea? Counts down the days, right? So maybe if you're counting down the days. Maybe there's a connection to what we're talking about here. Right? There, you're right, though. That's, it's an Advent calendar. And I think, interestingly enough, in our culture and, and, and with who we are, um, we've, we've seen the word Advent, we've connected it to the calendar, but we don't have a clue what the heck it is. Uh, so let me give you just a, a very brief and um, oversimplified understanding. It comes from a Latin word that means arrival or coming. That's what Advent means. It, it, it comes from the Latin word that means arrival or coming. In our, in our context, for Advent in our holiday season, it is the coming of Christ. The coming of Christ is, is the Advent, uh, and it's the arrival, the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. And they weren't even thinking Jesus at the first advent. They were thinking the coming of the Messiah. The Messiah is the anointed one of God or the Savior that he was sending. Messiah is the anointed one, the chosen one, the one who God has chosen to come and bring comfort and salvation to the nation of Israel. Okay. Uh, if you read your Bible, if you just walk into this conversation, I say nation of Israel, you're like, I'm... whatever. So let me give you the 30-second glimpse of the entire Bible. God called a man named Abraham. He said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Abraham said, I don't have any kids. He said, I'm going to give you kids, even in your old age. He turned this one man and his old wife Grew up a great nation, but it was all based upon one promise. He said, I'm going to bless every nation through your nation. I'm going to bless every nation through your nation. So he grew up Abraham into a nation, and out of that nation came the Messiah. Israel themselves believed it was about them, but in fact, it goes back to the beginning of scriptures when God said, no, it's about every nation. So when Jesus came out of Israel... He came for all people. They were waiting on the coming of the Messiah, the first advent. It's what they were waiting on. 
Um, that's why we hear this at Christmas time. Jesus' birth was the arrival or the advent of the Messiah. That's what Jesus' birth signified. Um, so the expectation of God sending a Messiah for his people began, check, follow me on this, about 700 B.C. It actually began before that, but it began to take shape and begun to um, have more details and more expectation latched onto it. They expected it all the way from the beginning of time, but about 700 B.C., now it really begins to ramp up and take shape because of some men like Isaiah, the prophet. Isaiah began to preach about the one who was going to come, the coming of the one who would console and bring salvation to Israel saving them from their hardship and oppression. Isaiah began to talk about him. He began to say things like this. He said, The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, have a son, and we shall name him Emmanuel. What's Emmanuel mean? God with us. He's coming. God is coming to be with us. He's going to bring himself out of the birth from a virgin. He also begins to talk about, he says, a child will be born, a son will be given to us, the government will be upon his shoulders, he will be named Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, and he will reign on the throne of his father David forever and ever and ever, and he will be righteous and just. He began to shout this to the people. He's coming, the Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God is coming. He's coming. And when he does, he's going to take over the throne of David. At that point, there was no man on the throne of David. He's going to reestablish it. He's going to save the nation, restore all things to order. And he's going to be just and good for us. He's coming. He's coming. He also said things like this. He said, um, he, he, I'm going to share that one with you later. I don't want to give you too much. But you can find those two in Isaiah 7 and Isaiah 9. A lot of things that Isaiah said concerning the coming, the advent of the Messiah. He began to talk about them a lot. I may have shared this with you before, but as Christmas time draws near, it just draws my mind to it again. My dad bought me the only Christmas present that he ever bought me when I was about 17 years old. Like if you're dad, I know... So I'm responsible for one present a year for all the kids. We call it the pickle present. Whoever finds the pickle on the tree. Pickle, anybody ever had a pickle? Y'all ever done the pickle? I had a pastor give me the pickle, and it was, it was a really good gift that he gave me because it started this tradition in our home. I buy the pickle present. Whoever finds the pickle ornament on the tree gets to open the pickle present. In our home, the pickle present is for all kids, but the one who finds it gets to open it. In some homes, the kid who finds the pickle gets the present. Now, I'm more generous. I buy something for the whole thing. Anyways, I digress. <clears throat> I'm responsible for buying that present. But my, my dad had no responsibilities at Christmas. And when I was about 17 years old, he bought me a present. He bought me a present. And when you're 17 years old, dad had never done jack squat when it comes to Christmas. But now you're 17 years old and dad bought and wrapped a present and put it under the tree with my name on it from dad. It's like, <gasps> expectation. I just, what's this? What's this? Now, I didn't try to open it. I wasn't that kid. I wasn't that kid. But it did create anticipation. And when anticipation grew, the hype grew because I began to ask questions. Yes or no questions. Is it this? Is it this? Does it do this? Does it do that? And then out of the yes or no questions and the answers that he would give me, I began to create riddles for what this thing could be. And we spent the next 30 days creating yes or no questions and then forming riddles for what this thing could be. And it was all over the map. Because when you just get a yes or no, does it do this? Sure, it could. So it's this, and it does this, and it could be used here. Man, we had some crazy riddles that came out of these yes or no questions because there was expectation for this event that had taken place. Um, and I assume, even as cool as that was over the month of December when I was 17 years old, I can assume if the immediacy of Christmas were not known. Like if I didn't know I was going to open this box in two weeks, the hype and the expectation probably would have faded pretty quick. I'd have probably got tired of playing that game. I'd just like, whatever, dude. 
whatever. I mean, that was cool for a week, but like, if you're not going to let me open it, just whatever, right? Because the immediacy of Christmas kept the anticipation until the day come. But if that were not known, then it probably would have faded pretty quick. In the same way, I assume that those hearing Isaiah would have experienced great levels of an expectation as he talked about the coming Messiah. When they were hearing that, I can assume that they began to scurry and began to think and began to daydream and began to expect that the Messiah was coming soon. It's like, let's get ready, let's get ready, let's get ready. And I assume that as he talked about that, there was a lot of hype for the coming Savior, counting the days until his arrival. Yet Christmas wasn't anywhere near for them. It's still 700 years away. Right? It's like dad wrapping a present, putting it under the tree and say, it's going to be incredible. It's like, dad, it's Christmas two weeks away. Nope, 700 years. They didn't know that, right? They would have been stirred by the announcement. But then just tap into the feeling Tap into the thought process of that expectation fading over the course of generations. It's, it's understandable. Christmas was 700 years away. They didn't know it. And five world powers who would capture, overthrow, defeat, run them out of town, the nation of Israel. In that 700 years, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece and Rome would come in, take over, set up shop in their own homes, own the people of Israel, and the whole time they're like, God's coming, the anointed one's coming, the Savior's coming, he is the Prince of Peace, wonderful counselor, he's going to set up the throne of David, he's going to sit on it again, and he's going to be good and just and strong. Oh, here comes Persia. He's kicked our tail again, right? Man, that expectation would fade. I know myself well enough to know that I would have given up on what's in the box if my Christmas played out like this. I would have given up. It's like I know myself. I've lived long enough to be like, yeah. Like when you first open the Bible and you're young and you're a punk and you open it up and you're like, dang, those people are stupid and selfish and like quick to give up. And now I'm like going to turn 40 this year, and I'm like, Psh, I'd have gave up too. <laughs> right? It's like you live long enough, and it humbles you. And you know how pathetic you are too. Yet in Luke chapter 2, we see this man described as, in Luke 2, we see a man, and he is described as looking forward. To the consolation of Israel. We open up Luke's gospel and it says, This man named Simeon was looking forward to Israel's consolation. You know what I thought when I read that? How the heck? Does he still have an expectation after all those generations? How has that not faded and waned and gone away after everything that Israel's been through? What did God say he'd do that kept that expectation? What, what was he about to do that kept that expectation? What does he have for me to do that keeps that expectation and it says when he was looking forward to, he was actively waiting and looking. Like some of your texts may say, depending on what version of the Bible you have, it may use the word he was waiting for Israel's consolation. I don't think that does justice because the word that is used in the original text is he was actively waiting and looking. It's like, is it that? Is it him? Sit there? Sit there? It's not like he was sitting on his recliner saying, and I'm waiting on it to happen. Give me another turkey. Like, no, he was up and he was active. And he's like, he's coming. Like, where is he? And he was active about it. Let's look at Luke 2. And figure out what the heck's going on in Simeon. 
that allowed his expectation to remain. Luke 2, we're going to be in verse 25. And then we're going to read a bunch, and then we'll talk about it again. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was a righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law. So let me set the scene. I didn't do that. My bad. Jesus had been born. Forty days later, his parents are doing what's customary, what's normal under Jewish law. And 40 days, Jesus is 40 days old, and his parents bring him into the temple to go through the motions of the Jewish religion. And Simeon's there. Okay? That's what we see. So we're not at the manger. We're 40 days post-manger. Okay? Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law. Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you have promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence for all peoples, a light for revelation for the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were obviously amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign to those who will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Wow. I read that this week and I'm like, whoa. Now, there's way too much to talk about this morning in that text. We may come back to it next week. Depends on what the Lord guides me to do in this conversation. But we're going to hit on two things this morning when it comes to how Simeon continued to have expectation. Number one, verse 26. Somebody read verse 26 to me. It was revealed to him by what? The Holy Spirit would not see death. Number one, how did he continue to have expectation for the coming of the Messiah, the advent of the Messiah? It was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before the Messiah came. So number one, let me erase that and give you your note-taking. If you're a note-taker, if you're a tweeter, whatever you are, this is your easy way for you to remember this. Revelation and expectation are linked. Revelation and expectation are linked. If you increase one you increase the other. If you increase revelation, you're going to increase your expectation because they're linked. Um, Because we see that it was revealed to him, so therefore when everybody else was fading, he was increasing. Okay? Okay? What inevitably happens, let me ask you this question, what inevitably happens if you fail to notice God showing up in your life? Like, let's go to you right now, and if you're just going through life, you're knocking out your day to day, and and you get to the point where you're just like, you know, I I just really hadn't noticed God showing up in my life today. What inevitably takes place if that happens? We could list a number of things, so let's write down a few. You fail to notice God showing up in your life. What are the inevitable things that happen? Mm -hmm. That was my number one thing. Right? Lose faith. You're like, huh. 
He ain't showed up. So I guess my faith was kind of pointless, right? Move on down the road. Kick that can to the next thing. What else? What inevitably happens if you fail to see God show up in your life? Discouraged. Discouraged. I heard something else behind me, so what was that? Yeah. Um, Lean on self. So self-reliance, that was the, right? Anything else? What inevitably happens if God doesn't show up in your life or you fail to see it? Yeah. Um, alternative um, options. We'll just call it that. It could be alternative faiths. It could be alternative... It could be anything. Right? I'm just going to put my focus somewhere else. Right? Because he was looking forward. He was actively looking for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting and looking and expecting that God would show up. But when God doesn't show up and I'm still looking, maybe I need to start looking for something else. Maybe I just need to look for something else. I'm going to expect that something else would show up. Or I'm going to lose faith altogether. I'm going to become discouraged, frustrated, irritated. I'm going to begin to be self-reliant. Well, if, if God's not going to show up, then I've got to get to work. If like, he's not going to do anything, then I've got to do something. I had one more that I want to write. Uh, increased pressure. It's just like that. Decreased expectation, increased internal pressure. Right? It's like the, what you feel before you yelled at your wife. It's just like, I don't know why I just yelled at you. It's just because I felt pressure because... Somebody hadn't showed up to do what I thought they were going to do. I mean, it's like Sunday morning, right? Church world and Sunday morning. I'm going to show up to serve and I'm going to help do this. And somebody doesn't show up that I was expecting to show up. And Stephen used to go through this a lot. It's like they didn't show up. So now this internal pressure begins to build and I'm going to pop off at whoever walks through the door first. Doesn't have anything to do with them. Just has to do with the, the expectation that I had wasn't fulfilled. They didn't show up and now it begins to impact me. Same way when you're expecting God to show up in your life and he doesn't or you don't see it. Simeon was looking forward. Opening the Bible and meditating on Scripture. Maybe you've heard that before. You need to read your Bible. You need to read the Scriptures. You need to learn the Bible. And and, and maybe you're like... That's apparently what good Christians do, so I need to put that on my checklist. You need to read the Bible. It's not a bullet point on a Christian's checklist. It is your victory over these things. It is not a bullet point for you to say, have I been a good Christian today? Have I been a good follower of Jesus today? Well, I used to go to bed guilty because I would see my Bible sitting across there and I'm like, psh. Preacher talk this morning, I don't need to read today. I mean, that was, I would, like, I would try to read my Bible Monday through Saturday, but on Sunday, I'm like, he revealed stuff to me. I'm good. Because I had a checklist. I needed to be exposed to the scriptures every day. And that was my Christian checklist that I had in my mind. And I was thinking, I'm doing good if I've opened it or been exposed to it. Let me increase my revelation. And Mark, if you preach today, I'm good. I don't have to open it up because it was a checklist mentality. But what God is wanting you to see is it's not a checklist mentality. It is your victory over the things that want to defeat you. You're starting to lose faith because you're not seeing God show up in your life right now. You need to increase your revelation. He has revealed himself to you in the scriptures. He has shown you who he is. He has shown you who you are. He has shown you where to go, how to be, what character he has that he wants to ingrain in you. You have low expectations. You have low exposure to the revelation. 
you want to increase your expectations, increase your exposure to God's revelation. The more he speaks, the more you meditate on what he has said, the more you're going to begin to look forward to the consolation that he is bringing. You losing faith? You probably hadn't cracked the word very often lately. You just probably hadn't. You discouraged? Got low expectations? God's not showing up? The thing about thing about Simeon is, yes, he received a vision from the Holy Spirit telling him he would not die before he saw the Lord's Messiah. How the heck did he know what to look for? He didn't base his whole entire expectation upon the, the vision that he gave from the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, you're not going to die until you see this man. What am I looking for? I need to go to the prophet Isaiah. I need to look and see what I'm looking for because you're looking for God to show up in your life, but you're not reading the scriptures and you're looking in the wrong places and looking for the wrong things. Shay, I think about you, man. I think about when we got to come visit you in the hospital. And I think about, man, I'm like praying for you. And, 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 and I told you when you're sitting in ICU in the hospital, and I'm like, Shay, I'm praying for you. And like this... The expectation's building in my heart, even while I'm praying for you. It's building in my heart. And I want to, well, my whole premise for visiting you in the hospital was to, to take the expectation that God was stirring in my heart and lay it on your ICU bed so that you could, you could feel it too. That's, that's it. But, but, but now, here's, here's what's got to happen, Shay is you have that expectation because something was revealed to you because I came to you, right? But you don't know what you're looking for yet. You don't know what you're waiting on yet. And, 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 and you might be seeing it. You, it might be fleshing out in your life, but you, you might be missing it because you're looking for something else. But when we increase our revelation, increase our exposure to God's word, increase what it, our, our, our meditation on what he has said, then we know what we're looking for and we can we can we can. When Jesus shows up as he did for Simeon, we can take him in our arms and we can hold him up and say, everything you promised has been revealed to me right now. I can die now. I can die now. I passed that expectation that God gave me for your life. I laid it for you. And now you get to discern when it's happening, when it's being fulfilled. And you're going to know it when it's compared to the word of God. Right? The Bible is God's self-revelation. Increase your exposure to it, you'll increase your expectations towards God's presence and his promises. And don't just read it as a checklist. Read it, meditate it, think about it, consider it, and allow it to defeat. You send your kids to school and you teach them verses as a kid, and you're like, man, I guess that was pointless. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. It's good stuff right there, man. Because this slipped my mind for a second. I taught on to go. <laughs> so, that's the first thing. Revelation increased his expectation. Second thing I got for you is this. It said, guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. You got Simeon, and he's like this man in Jerusalem. They're coming in. They're doing everything that's normal. They're doing the customary things for the Jewish family to do. When a newborn comes in, Mary and Joseph taking Jesus to the temple. They're offering sacrifices and doing all the things that they got to do. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up into his arms. Because he was guided by the Spirit. Guided by the Spirit. All of those present at the temple that day, Simeon was the one guided by the Spirit, and he was able to see the presence of God. There were people all over the temple that day. But Simeon was the one guided by the Spirit, and he was the one that recognized God just showed up. 
the Messiah is here. He was the one. And he, in the presence of everything that was customary and ordinary, he saw God. So here's my next note-taking point for you. The more exposure to revelation you have, the more expectation you will have, uh, the more ordinary will become extraordinary. The more exposure to revelation you have, the more expectation you're going to have, the more the ordinary will become extraordinary in your life. He was in an ordinary situation, day to day, happened every day at the temple. Jesus just coming in, sacrifices, doing what they do for newborn babies all day, every day. And for Simeon, he was guided by the Spirit with revelation and expectation in the ordinary, became an extraordinary moment because he saw the presence of God and what everybody else thought was day to day. Joe, calling you out now, because I had this. Like, I've been in a funk lately. Not like a negative funk, just like I got to get up and go to work funk. And it's not a funk like I've been in a bad place. It's just I've been in a grind like day to day. When I wake up, you know what I expect to happen? I expect to go to the job and lay some tile, lay some floors, do some of this, do some of that. That's the expectation I have. And you kind of get in that rut and that rhythm that you don't really have expectations for God to do something extraordinary in your ordinary day. Until this week, some things began to happen. Joe, I want you to share just a little bit about what you told me from last Sunday. Right? Can you share that out loud, just kind of what you thought was happening last Sunday and maybe how you responded to that? That's cool, man. And I ask you to share this for a positive reflection, not as a negative thing, man. Not a negative. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, get ready to go to church. And I just had this feeling that the lady across the street <laughs> so, talk to her about that. Just the interaction, the timing, and the thought. And mm-hmm. 
So Joe was waking up. Actually, you finished your own yard work last Sunday morning too, right? And you look across the street, man. Joe told me the other day, he's like, I don't ever have feelings like that. But I had this feeling that I was supposed to go mow her yard. And, and, and this is where I say this is a positive thing. Joe did what a lot of us do, and a lot of times we justify it. Well, but what if I run over a sprinkler system? What if I do this? And, and we can talk ourselves out. It's just an ordinary thing to go mow somebody's grass and just talk myself out of it, right? Came on to church. Here's what was happening. So like me and Joe are going to go look at this facility straight across the street this afternoon. Like we're, we're at capacity here right now. And, and here's what I believe could have been happening last Sunday morning is that through something really ordinary, the Holy Spirit was guiding Joe to become part of something extraordinary. Like the Holy Spirit's guiding. You say, Joe, let's go mow this lady's yard. I want you to go mow this lady's yard. Just go into the ordinary, Joe. Go into the ordinary. And I'm inviting you to become a participant, a player in something extraordinary where I'm going to reveal the next home of your ministry. Where I'm going to expand your space so that you can influence and encourage more people towards the kingdom of God because you did something ordinary in mowing this yard. Right? So, so when, I, when I have Joe share that story, I don't share that and say, Dang, Joe, you sucked it up. You should have went motor yard. No, I'm like, no, now you know what that feels like for God, the Holy Spirit, to guide you in ordinary things to become extraordinary moments. Now you know what that feels like. And the next time, it's like me praying for Shay. You're just going to be like, all right, something's about to happen. Something's about to happen. There's this leading to do something that I don't want to do. I don't normally do. But I, I recognized last time I had that leading, it was like God inviting me into something really extraordinary. And I don't want to miss it this time. So I'm going to go in it into the ordinary and I'm going to follow the spirit into the ordinary and see what he wants to do. Amen. See what he wants to do. Now, God's still going to do the extraordinary things that he wants to do with our church. And if it's in that building, whatever it is, your response to that situation does not define God's movement in this city. Right. But it's just us recognizing that the Holy Spirit is guiding us. And sometimes it just looks plain ordinary. But in the power of God, it becomes extraordinary what he's doing. The more you increase your exposure to his revelation, the more expectation you're going to have, and the more you're going to walk around your ordinary life expecting extraordinary things. You're like, Dang, that's how God works. I'm looking, I'm looking, actively looking like Simeon now. Actively looking, not waiting on my couch like, dang God, when are you going to give us that new building? And I was like, whose yard I got to mow? <laughs> what do I got to do? What are you doing, God? What do you want to invite me into? Actively looking, that's how it works. The Hebrews looked forward to the coming of a Savior. That was the first Advent. Hebrews were looking forward to it. And when he came, he came just like Isaiah said he would. Not what I read to you earlier. He did all that too. But here's one more thing Isaiah said. It's what I put you on hold earlier for. When, the, when the, the first Advent came, he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was upon him, just like Isaiah said was going to happen. They hung him on a cross. They pierced him in the side. Our sins were laid upon his body, just like Isaiah said. And he wasn't just the king of kings that came as a wonderful counselor. He was the suffering servant that they placed upon a cross, just like Isaiah said. He fulfilled every bit of Isaiah's prophecies. And it was just as Isaiah said that yet he was crushed for our rebellion. It says after his anguish, he saw light and was satisfied for by his knowledge, he justified many. We are the many. We are the many. He was pierced for our rebellion. Yet in the light of God, he was raised to life that he might justify many that would come with him. They were waiting. They were looking for this man. And he fulfilled everything that Isaiah said he would. The Christian tradition of Advent is not about everything I just told you. The Christian tradition of Advent 
concerning the second advent. Jesus came. He did everything Isaiah said he would do. But as followers of Jesus, we're waiting on him to come again. We're waiting on him to come again. And when he comes again, it's going to be like a wedding. We are his bride. He's going to sweep us up. He's going to take us with him. There's going to be a wedding feast. There's going to be a marriage. There's going to be this incredible thing that happens, this party he's going to throw, and he's going to take all his people home. And ever since he came, we've been waiting on him to come again. Been waiting on him to come again. Hmm. Traditionally, Advent counts down. It's like Whitney said. It's like that calendar. It's the four weeks waiting up to Christmas. That's the Advent calendar. Um, and it reminds us to look for him every day. So here's, here's what we're going to do as a church I had a phone. I don't have my phone on me. So on our group me message, if you're not on our group me, this is the time for me to plug our group me message. We communicate through that group me app. And if the announcement that I'm about to share with you didn't catch you, it's because you're probably not on our group me message. Um, there's a card on the table. Leave your phone number and I'll put you on it. But here's what we want to do. We want to practice together expecting God's presence in every day as we lead into the Christmas season. We can rush into Christmas and say, woohoo, Christmas, presents, holidays, meals, all this stuff. It just comes, it hits you in the face, and then it goes and leaves you exhausted. I want us to practice together the expectation of God showing up in our ordinary days over the next number of weeks. This is our advent. We're looking for his coming together. How are we going to do that? There is an app on your phone. It's called the YouVersion Bible app. If you've never downloaded it, it's free. Go to your app store, download the YouVersion Bible app. It's a little brown Bible, and it says Holy Bible. Now, inside that app, there is all kinds of things. There's every version of the Bible, so pick whichever one is reader-friendly to you. I teach out of the one called CSB. That's what we teach out of here on Sunday mornings, but you can read whichever one makes you happy. Um, and there's also reading plans. So you're like, dude, I would read the Bible. I would increase my exposure to Revelation, but where do I start? We're going to start together this month. We're going to start together this month. There is a reading plan in there called Rediscovering the Christmas Season. Rediscovering... The Christmas season. You version Bible app. So you can subscribe to the reading plan, Rediscovering the Christmas Season. When you subscribe to this, they're not going to send you junk mail. It's not that kind of subscription. It just opens you up to be able to read the daily reading plan. Okay? So we're going to do this together. Rediscovering this Christmas season. This is not a traditional Advent reading plan, but it's a non-traditional for the point of pointing us in the ordinary things this month to expect the extraordinary. It's going to steer our mind as we wait upon the coming of Christ. Not only His second Advent coming back to earth, but He's going to be in our lives this month. And we want to increase our exposure to Revelation that month this month, our, we want to increase expectation for the coming of Christ in your everyday life. Okay? So in this reading calendar, uh, you'll be exposed to uh, a daily scripture. It's really short. It's easy to read. It's got a, a thought that goes on with it. And a lot of these in this reading calendar have um, a, a suggested activity that would apply the scripture to your life that day. Okay, suggested activity. That way you can practice the ordinary for the purpose of extraordinary. So what I'm going to ask you to do is you read those things. Number one, first of all, participate. Number two, invite others to be a part of it when it's possible. Right? Invite us. Some of these things, you're going to read it and you'll be like, I wonder what would happen if I called up Shay and Hope and we did that together. Right? Do that. Do that. Encourage you to participate together in the activities that it lays before you when that is possible. 
Because these things are going to be better done in community. Because, where'd it go? Groups experience more sustained expectation than individuals. Right? And we want to practice that together this month. Version Bible app, Rediscovering the Christmas Season. If you start today, it's going to end on Christmas morning. Okay? If you start today, the, the reading guide will end on Christmas morning. That's the end of my notes, so I'm going to ask you if you have any questions, reflections, or concerns on our talk today. No questions, no comments. I'm not asking you to brown nose. I'm asking you to reflect. (laughs) I'm excited for you as an individual, and I'm excited for us as a church. I would say this week, my expectation couldn't be much higher for what God's doing here. The events that Joe and I encountered this week just reminded me that you know what? We go through the ordinary day to day, and God has this plan that He's unfolding as we're just faithful with one day at a time. What's up? I think it's important that we share because some people, you know, there's times where I'm not always up and up, or, you know, I'm, I'm caught up in the day to day business where, you know, I'm not looking for it. But when someone shares, it helps redirect my focus. Mm-hmm. Yep. looking forward. So like today, with you sharing some of your experiences and uh, even with some of the other my brothers sharing their experiences, it encourages me yep. to look forward. Yep. So I think it's it's good it's that good. we share um, share those things um, to help the body of yep. Especially glimpses. Yeah. Right, right. Yep. We hadn't seen the full picture, but my brother just saw a glimpse of it, and I, I want to tell you what I saw. I get the benefit, right? It gives me hope. Yep. Yeah. Increase expectation all the way around. I mean, I don't know if this was for you guys, but it was sure enough for me. So uh, I'm looking forward to December with you guys as we await the second advent of Christ. He's going to show up this month. He may not show up in the flesh like to call us all home. He may, but he may not. But I'll guarantee it. he's going to show up in the ordinary things that you go through. Are we going to be actively looking? We're just going to be rolling through our day. Rolling through our day. All right. I know Shelly is back there with the sling and probably about to get attacked by all the kids. (laughs) Uh, Jeff, could I ask you to pray us out of here, man? Jeff's Jeff's a friend of ours, a minister in our town in central Arkansas, and just thankful to have you with us and ask you to pray us out this morning.